Hey guys, we've got to that point in the show where we need to start depending on listeners like you to help keep this thing going. What are we, fucking PBS? Oh yeah, you know it. I'm LeVar Burton. I wanted to be LeVar. Fuck. All right. I caught it first. Yeah, I'm hosting we... Jeopardy. <laughs> are you though? Listen guys, we, we need your help uh, to help keep the lights on as they say. Uh, we are launching our Patreon for Masters of the Cinematic Universe. Yes. Yes. And we have uh, different tiers that you can sign up for and pledge to, just like PBS. Um, you get some different real cool gifts and prizes and merch, uh, depending on the tier that you sign up for. Oh, we got all the tiers. Oh, yeah. You Back. can either be a friend it, of the show, a oh. friend with benefits. Ooh. We just we could start to get serious, or you could just put a ring on it already. Yeah. Ooh, damn. And if you uh, if you exceed that amount, uh, you know we'll send you some not safe for work picks if, if you want. <laughs> it's not safe for your eyes picks in my case, but <laughs> not safe for anything right. picks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, guys, check out uh, patreoncom motcu. Uh, take a look at well, all the different tiers that we're offering. Lots of cool. Uh, swag coming your way from stickers to t-shirts to getting to pick the film that we uh, talk about. Yeah. The yeah. tears started at a dollar. A dollar a month. Come on, what? folks. That's it? Yep. One buck to get in on that on that number one tier. And All with right. that, you even get the live chat with us anytime you want, as well as a shout out on every episode. Right. So, come on. That's less than a cup of coffee a month. Jesus, what a steal. Yeah, guys, right? check it out. Again, patreon.com slash M-O-T-C-U. And then enjoy this week's movie. guys, welcome to Masters of the Cinematic Universe. My name's Joe, and this episode almost didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, the jury's still out, buddy. We'll see what happens. That's, that's very true. Yeah, for all those people that like to talk, you know, that Max are so much better than everything else, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> oh, so uh, Eric's here, Doug's here, and we also have a very special guest today. Doug, you want to make the introduction? Yeah, we have uh, one of my favorite podcasts. It's definitely a must-listen every week. Uh, Blake from the Tone Mob is here, and I'm so excited about it. How you doing, Blake? I am splendid. Excellent. Yeah, I'm really, really thrilled that you that you uh, agreed to come on this shit show. No. <laughs> oh, that's the other podcast. I, was, I, thought, we were doing, I thought we were doing Masters. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wouldn't want you to come on just surprise me, but Masters of the Cinematic Universe. Yeah, very excited about it, so great to have you. Thank you. I am. Uh, I am looking forward to it. And How do you uh, feel about pizza? Me? Yeah. <laughs> you want to know the truth? Oh, yeah. I'm eating it tonight. Ha! Ah, Excellent. Nice. nice. How do you feel about I'm macaroni done. and cheese on a hamburger? I feel like it's overkill. Like um, if it's fried. I, Thank you. I mean, then it's even more overkill. Yes. But, of course, but I, would, awesome, right? I would eat it. Yeah. Okay. Because Doug is, is a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Traditionalist. Uh, I was thinking more like asshole. Yeah, I know. I know the. I know what you were thinking about, but no, I'm I, a traditionalist. I had an amazing hamburger for lunch with a. They took macaroni and cheese, they breaded it, made it into a patty, deep mm-hmm. fried it, and then mm-hmm. stuck it on top of the burger with cheese and cheese sauce. 
Bro, that's some emotional eating right there, my friend. It was so yeah, good. It true. sounds really good. It's it's one of those things that I I wouldn't do all the time, but oh, no, like it's, it's definitely not. It's like a special occasion. It's well, you'd like, be yeah. dead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This or you change your name to RJ because you'd be extremely overweight. Oh God! <laughs> I got him again. Get him he's on every his, episode. Is it as funny when he's not here? Well, I yes. mean, yeah, it's actually funnier because he's never on anything. He's, he's he's not even on Just Surprise Me enough to no. be considered a regular. Host. It's bad when the uh, the guest hosts are, are talking about how much he's not there. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> very true. Uh, so uh, what's new, guys? Anything cool going on in your life other than macaroni and cheeseburgers? Yes, sir. Uh, let me let me start by saying uh, I'm very happy to have been nominated again this year for the best visual artist. In Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Which is, uh, I don't know if, you know, listen, I won third place last year. And uh, if you want to help me this year, check out uh, Best of Orlando 2021, Orlando Weekly. I don't, it, I could have a link in front of me to read to you. That'd be professional. Don't have it. Doesn't matter. I uh, mean, and there are no, like, Disney artists in Orlando at all. Oh, no, none. 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 So, you know. It's not like it's a big city with a bunch of really talented people that you're beating out. Well, it's well-deserved. Yeah, Eric, you're the I man. Mean, so well-deserved. Your stuff is incredible. Oh, no, seriously, thank you, man. It's it's This is the kind of stuff that does help. Um, and it does seem a little silly because I'm in this category with people who are doing stuff that I can't touch, man. Like, you guys know what I do. I do stuff that speaks to my childhood and the stuff I'm passionate about and movies and comic books and, and you know... Uh, you know, there's some real fine art being represented here. Can and, you make uh, a? Uh, I gotta think of another spite spite oh art, art for you. Oh, hit can me. You, can you make Doug eating a macaroni and cheeseburger with like dripping down his chin, and, like no. on his stomach? <laughs> no, I cannot. I want. I can't do it. No, I'm Eric, sorry. Thank you. you would, you'll do Gepetophile, but you won't do <laughs> Doug eating a macaroni and cheeseburger. <laughs> no, I I have to draw the line somewhere. Draw the line. <laughs> he, he has standards. Yes. Okay. Wow, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm calling Ryan. I appreciate Ryan, it. Thank Ryan you, might Eric. do it. Yeah. No, yeah, you're welcome, Doug. I, I have to have Doug's back because everybody's always ganging up on, on, uh, on Doug. Everybody uh, loves unfair. Doug. Doug's like everybody's favorite person. I know. <laughs> That's well-deserved, too. I've never met anybody who said anything bad about Doug. Oh, God, I got a list. <laughs> I won't give it Can to you, you, but I got a their, list. Can you give me their contact information? I got some people who aren't happy with me, but that's okay. <laughs> Story for another day. Anyway, that's not what's new in me. Um, Will, Will's not happy with you right now. But that's Will's fault. Will's that's, not happy with anybody. It's Will's, that's exactly, true. but that's Will's fault. If he wanted number one, he should have hit me up earlier, and he didn't. He missed it. Andrew oh. got it. Andrew got serial number one this time. He's got two. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, he's just a little sour. I got to, I got to meet, uh, I got to meet him in person. I had lunch with. Yeah, 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 that was that was super fun. Yeah, me, Eric, and uh, Will all got together and had Hollerbox. That's excellent. Yeah, it was delicious. And he complained about the pedal then too. <laughs> yeah, he did. He really, he really did. did. But then he bitch. like totally like had a hard on at the little gro- the German grocery store. Well, that's, well, that's they, cool. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll enjoy that when I get down there too. Okay. You know, definitely. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, what's new with me is well, last couple weeks back, I was able to go down to New York. Now that things are lifted, and visit my son John and his wife, uh, see their new place for the first time. 
Nice. Which was fantastic. And um, next weekend, I'm heading up north to New Hampshire to visit my oldest son, Tim, and his wife, Meg, who's expecting my first grandchild yeah. um, in October. So we're, we're heading up there next week to see them for the first time since they got married uh, last August. So it, it couldn't be a better time for me. I'm, I'm just getting together with the family. Can't ask more than that, you know. So, yeah, I got that to look forward to in a week. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's what life's Joe, all what's about. what's with you, man, other than your uh, high-calorie cheeseburgers? Well, I found ways this week to both spend and make money. Um, I replaced the dented rim on my new car. Uh, it cost uh-huh. me $700. <laughs> for one I'm not rim. laughing at you. I feel awful for you, man. That just uh, sucks so bad. Brand new yeah. car. But I wanted to make sure it was replaced before uh, Doug got here, and that way we could roll around the hood playing rap music. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be my favorite part of the trip. In, in the 300. Um, yeah. uh, but then I also got into, uh, I've been really into like uh, the the stock trading, like cryptocurrency bull. Um, I got the Robinhood app, and yeah. uh, I am going to the moon right now on AMC, uh, because apparently that stock is going through the roof. Still not too yep. late to get some. Um, it went from a month ago. It was a dollar ninety a share, and today it was around sixty five dollars a share. Holy shit! Jesus Christ! Yeah, Meme and it's still climbing. They're, they're they're thinking like next week is going to be around a hundred something a share. All right, you know what? Just to screw you, I'm going to buy some because as soon as I buy some, it's going to tank. <laughs> so you better fucking cash out, buddy. <laughs> okay, because I took that little cryptocurrency roller coaster ride about a. Two months ago, and I, all right, fine. That's a little more, yeah, well, that's what happened to me. It was, the stress was just too much to deal with, checking that Robinhood app like 50 times a day. I'm like, nope, I, I cashed out. I, I made 18 bucks. <laughs> I cashed out. That was the end of it. <laughs> oh, God. Of course. It's too much, man. I'm just going to be poor forever. I can't. Yeah. It's, look, it's all right. I've I've got a few years on you, Eric. It's okay. It really, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it is what it is. You know, exactly. we accept just, our lot in life. And shit, yes, you know? just ride it, ride it. It's you'll you'll be fine. Nothing will be different. Trust yeah. me. Blake, anyway, what's so, new with uh, you, man? Yeah, Blake, well, yeah. Oh man, I'm just working on more songs and just you know doing my thing over here, doing a lot of podcasting. But yeah, I've been. I was while we were waiting to connect. I was working on a remix i just ran through the whole thing ran this whole track through a old cassette machine i have and i was running it back in oh that's so uh, great and just uh having a lot of fun just making music again it's weird music but i'm a weird i dude, love so it it's dude. All fine. i'm telling you i absolutely love the the ambient nature of it and it's almost like a story in in you know like the whole album is like a story it's a connected story and i dig that stuff because you know, back when I was young, that was a thing. A lot of bands did that stuff. You know, almost like a concept album, but not. But it's uh, it's just me. But uh, there's a lot going on. I have a lot of pedals, and it's all on all the streaming platforms now. Um, if you want to listen to it all in one shot, I released it as a podcast episode, uh, and yeah. that was re- that was a really cool experiment that worked out really well. And you know, we'll probably do again. Um, Sweetwater, like, came. I don't really like pedals. No, not no, not at all. Not exactly. at all. It's not like the how I. It's not like the main. It's almost more important than the guitar, to me. Yeah. <laughs> which is yes. kind of ridiculous. That's true. Uh, 
Well, speaking Absolutely. of rating the uh, the old pedal collection tonight, boys, <laughs> we're going to rate something else. Yeah. We're here to talk about the 1981 classic Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Fucking A. Now, before we even get started, I have to say this is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I'm going to be doing a lot of knob polishing this episode, as I'm sure you're all used to. Um, <laughs> we're going to, you know, it's a brisk pace because this is an, a, an adventure movie. We're going to keep things rolling. And as we talk about this film, that's one of the things that constantly comes up is just the frenetic action of this movie. Like, it's hard to hard to even match. You look at the sequels to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's almost like they're trying to capture that magic in the bottle that they did with this first movie. Um, we'll, we'll get into it, boys. We get our title sequence. We get some kind of old-school font, which is nice. And we got this group of uh, people walking through the jungle. Um, the way this is shot, the way this is put together, you don't see the hero's face until you see the hero's face. And it's all very well done. We also yeah. get, uh, music from John Williams, uh, executive producer George Lucas, and everybody else doesn't matter. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. What else do you need? Um, real quick, our cast, uh, at least our core cast is rounded out with Harrison Ford. Uh, Karen Allen is Marion Ravenwood. Uh, we get John Riz Davies as Salah, Paul Freeman as uh, Rene Bullock, or Belloc, um, Denham Elliott as uh, Marcus. So, and and also since we're at the beginning of the movie here, we would be remiss not to mention Alfred Molina as uh, Satipo. His first role. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, the movie fe- it, it pulls you in because there's no dialogue to speak of until you know Satipo. Uh, you know they taste the poison on the dart and but it's very silent movie it's very uh powerful imagery and you know there's a a faceless hero like he's leading the charge here um just everything about this screams what they wanted it to which was like that serial adventure um old school vibe and uh it just looks sexy man like you know whatever cut you sent us in this drive it's 35 millimeters all day long. You can see the grain and the grit. Like, it just looks like the way cinema should look. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, going back to, to you know, 1981 was my graduation from high school year. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I was, I, I went with my friends to see this opening weekend. Um, and and I came back so excited. You know, I got back home so excited. And the way I described it, my dad said, I want to go. Let's go, and we'll see it, you know, like next weekend. Because the way I described it to him, it reminded him of, like, the old days, the way old days, you know, with the, with the serials that you'd go, you know, see in the theater, like Alan Quartermain and, and those adventure things that, you know, Tarzan, things like that, that my dad grew up on. Yes. Um, and he just absolutely loved the movie. I mean, it was always one of his favorites as well. Um, and it was just a, it was great to see that with him. You know, uh, and and to see him enjoy it as much as uh, as much as I did. So, so uh, our our hero pulls out you know a map, and from his pocket pulls out the missing piece. So without saying anything, you've already conveyed to the audience that this guy is clever, and they're looking upon him like, oh shit, what is that? Now he almost gets double crossed in these opening moments here. Dude pulls out a gun because he knows what the guy has. 
slowly, deliberately, and, you know, behind Indiana's back. He turns around and bullwhips this motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, just the coolest reveal. And that's when you see Harrison Ford's face. Which, again, the handsomest motherfucker in Hollywood, period. They they had written this for uh, Tom Selleck. And CBS shot them down. He was going to be the guy. Yeah, see, he Selleck was was uh, the star of, of Magnum PI, and CBS didn't want him to do it, so they they contractually locked him up, and they went with Harrison Ford. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Yep. Blake, when did this uh, this movie enter into your world? Did you see it as a kid? Yeah, I saw it as a kid. So. I don't know if this is a good time. It's probably as good a time as any for my my story. Um, I saw this with a friend. He was like, you've never seen Indiana Jones? You know, and I was like, no, I don't know anything about Indiana Jones. I obviously saw Star Wars by then, but I had not experienced Indiana Jones. And I remember just being in awe of the whole thing and uh, just absolutely loved it. And it is also where I discovered Nazis. I didn't. I okay. I did not know any. It was so I was in second grade. I did not know anything about Nazis. I had no idea that they were even real. I just knew they were the bad guys in Indiana Jones. Right. And oh, I mean, in second grade, you shouldn't really know anything about Nazis. That's right, a good thing. Right. Now, you, now to set the the tone for everybody, you have to imagine this scenario. So, I watched this movie, blown away, like, changed my life. But I'm like Nazis. These are these are bad guys. But I've always been interested in the villains, right? So I oh, thought <laughs> I thought they were I thought they were interesting, and like I thought like their uniforms were cool. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> All right. And I was like, wow, these guys are like they're bad dudes, but you know, it's their con. You know, they're evil soldiers. Like that's kind of a cool concept. And uh, I thought that the swastika was like an interesting image i was like huh that's i've never seen that before that's kind of cool so second grade <laughs> this gets this you guys are gonna you guys are gonna you guys are gonna lose it <laughs> i'm i'm i hate math right i hate it so much and i'm this little like you guys know me now i've got i've got like dark hair everything i was like white haired my i was uh-huh. blonde 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 and <laughs> I I am doing these math problems and you know show your work kids blah blah, blah. and we're doing we're doing we're doing a lot of addition and I'm like these plus signs are boring. <laughs> oh god. So I morph the plus signs into swastikas cuz I think they look cuz I think they look cooler. <laughs> and and I don't think anything of it. I don't I'm like yeah, that, that, that's a better looking plus sign than a regular plus sign. Aesthetically, yeah. yeah. And Mr. Baker, uh, who was not my favorite teacher already uh, for a variety of other reasons that we won't get into as far as it's all my fault, really. So, uh, (laughs) but uh, he he sent back a note and and he said, "Uh, yeah, great job on this homework, (laughs) but please don't use Nazi swastikas uh, as plus signs. So he was very nice about it. And I was confused. I did not understand like why it was an issue. I'm just like I don't like what like this isn't isn't this just like a spicier plus sign? This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And so I I take it to my mom in just total confusion. I was like, why did Mr. Baker tell me not to do this? And she's like, oh, no. Like, she's like, why? She didn't really know that I'd watched Indiana Jones. And she was like, where did you see this? Why? Like, what are you doing? And I explained, oh, there's a bad guys in Indiana Jones have this on all their, you know, their arms and the tanks and everything. And I thought I just thought it looked cool. And she's like, those were real people. And they were really, really bad people. And... Uh, most people don't want to see that outside of the context of a movie. And I was like, oh, okay. As I got older, I re- you know, remembered that. And right. I was like, I can't imagine what Mr. Baker thought. Like this little <laughs> exactly. blonde-haired kid. And I, and I was this weird, twisted little kid where I would like make up stories about like things I'd read in books I was too young to be reading. And like, and he was like, he probably thought I was an absolute psycho raised by Nazis. Like, oh yes. my god. That is a fantastic story. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's, that's just, so that was a big part <laughs> of Raiders uh, that's impacting really my cool. life. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really interesting. Well, you know, Spiel, d- Spielberg addressed Nazism in, in a couple of his projects. This was the more like lighthearted one, right? Like you know, we'll we'll see like monkeys giving the Heil Hitler salute later yes. on, and you know. This ain't Schindler's List yet, you know what I'm saying? But no, exactly, but the, 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 it's an interesting story, Blake, because it brings up a point about the movie in that when the studio watched it, they felt that it did not convey the nastiness of the Nazis enough. Right. And, yeah, there was one particular line that happens later in the flick about one of the Nazis complaining about the Jewish ritual that Belloc is going to perform. Mm. They added that. Because they needed to, you know, at least openly address the the, the point of right. the, the the issues Nazis had with with the Jewish people. Uh, so you can almost say it, it sort of it makes sense, especially for a second grader. I mean, what were you eight? You know, not really. You know, because even the movie itself, it yes, like they were like cartoon bad guys. They were. You yeah. know, if you oh, didn't yeah. know what a Nazi was, they were more cartoony. Like you know. So, yeah, that's it. That's really cool. That's interesting. I mean, the yep. scariest Nazi in this movie is played by Ronald Lacey. And yeah. he's like a cartoon character. Like oh, his, his little oh laugh the giggle and, and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, they don't feel that different from, like, Shredder and Ninja Turtles. Yes, 100%. <laughs> that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, that's a perfect analogy. You're right. Yep. Right. You know, just the bad guys. Yeah, in a cartoon. So... All right, so diving back in, Indiana yeah. Jones whips the pistol out of this guy's hand like it's nothing. And that's our intro to our hero. Um, as he makes his way further, he uh, he's filling a bag with sand, which gets a huge payoff scenes later. Um, and he's very assertive, man. Like, as a character, he this is a, a real macho man. Like, the way he acts in this opening scene and the way he acts when he gets back to America real contrast there because you find out later that he's a professor but you wouldn't know it in the first 15 minutes of this movie because i never had no teacher like this man right right <laughs> not even mr baker was like not even mr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know mr baker was a was a catch don't get me wrong um so we make our way into this uh this really 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 well designed uh cavern and uh, we get Joe's favorite moment with Alfred Molina where he's covered in tarantulas. 
my wife won't watch this scene, man. Like, she literally turned her head away. So that's that's commitment, man. Like, right off the bat, you talk yeah. about practical effects. There ain't no more practical effects than fucking 50 spiders. <laughs> yeah. you know it's I mean? not an effect. It's not an effect. It's just what happened. It yeah, it's just spiders. <laughs> reality. Right. right. Yep. Um, that That commitment to the role is only paled by what happens at the end of this movie with a fly. We'll get there. <laughs> so uh we make our way further into this you know this really cool uh you know these ruins and um this is all like this is all indoor this is shot you know in a in a sound studio it looks really really nice i i don't know the person responsible for it um so you have to forgive me but man it looks authentic man like it looks really good um, Indiana Jones is smarter than the average bear. He's stopping this bumbling buffoon from walking into all kinds of traps. And they are classic, cartoon, awesome booby traps, man. I mean, yeah. to this day, so iconic that, Joe, you were talking about that stunt show. They they just recreate this scene. Oh, so Norman it, Reynolds is the guy. He's the production designer who did Norman this. Norman Reynolds. He yep. is, man, he did his job very well in 1981. Yes. He did. I want to so, give a shout out to Douglas. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name, so forgive me. Douglas Slocum, Slocum. I don't know. He's the uh, he's the cinematographer, and I like we said. Oh, none of oh, the other guys okay. matter. I'm like, I don't know. I think the cinematographer matters <laughs> a lot in this. He movie. does. He does. And speaking yes. of people who don't get any credit, the editor. Who's the editor on this movie? Because they're a goddamn superhero. Mm-hmm. Well, he won an Oscar, so that's cool. Yeah. So he got a little credit. Yeah, we we talk about stuff. Star Wars getting saved by editing. Like, this movie, yeah, you know, Jay cuts, like, everything that he did is so purposeful and just drives the feel, like, the emotions between him and John Williams with the score. Like, you, yeah. there's no confusion about how you should be feeling from moment to moment. Yep. Like, it's just perfectly done. So, Indy outsmarts all of these cool booby traps, and he makes his way up to the golden fertility idol and this is kind of like the i want to say this is one of the more iconic scenes in this movie is him sort of mulling over how am i gonna steal this thing without setting off the trap you get the payoff with the bag full of sand he ditches some of it because just visually this guy is so good yeah it's like eh, it's a little off and uh he, he you think he does a great job until he doesn't which is yeah Honestly, one of my favorite aspects of the the Indiana Jones character is that, like, he's not... Yeah, he's overconfident, and he doesn't always get it right. You know, whether it's in a in a fight, or... Right. That's, that was one of the redeeming qualities about that last one, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, is he's older, so they played with that a little bit. It's like, I'm so overconfident that I think I can still do the shit I was doing in my right. 30s, right. and I can't. He's a fallible hero, and that... That goes a long way. Yeah. So, oh, and by the way, you can buy the fertility uh, idol on Amazon for a hundred bucks. Oh. <laughs> they do have them. Yeah. What was once his will now, what was once briefly his, will be mine. Exactly. With Prime. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bezos. Forget space. Sponsor us. Hey, his budget's not, not... You guys are not in his budget, let's be honest. He can't That's afford true. that. No, There's no way. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I was just... You know, I'm kind of doing some research as we're talking about it here. Like, 
just to make sure that I don't say the wrong things. And I can't help but notice, looking at this score on Rotten Tomatoes, right? I'm looking at 95%, which is an, is an excellent Rotten Tomatoes sto- score. Yeah, yeah. But, but I have to sit here and wonder, who are these 5%? That yep. he punched in the face. <laughs> lead, like, what, lead, are the, what are these morons, and what do they? Why do they even have a platform to? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. They're true. probably fans of the show Friends. One. They probably yeah. like Friends. Yeah. It's not the worst. It's just the most overrated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. 100%. How you doing? So, Joe, I jumped ahead a little bit because I got so excited. But yeah. But if you want to hit that first clip for me, this is uh, your first spoken dialogue in the movie. This is it. This is where Forrestal cashed in. A friend of yours? A competitor. He was good. He was very, very good. Senor, nobody has come out of that alive. Please. Now, Indy gives no fucks. No one's come out of there alive. That doesn't phase him in the least. Nope. And that's kind of, as a kid, when you knew, like, oh, this guy's awesome. I want to be yeah. this guy. Between the hat. You know, Indy sets off the trap, because of course he does. And fuck the darts. Like, he's running through darts crazy. Um, we get to the point at which he gets double-crossed by the next guy in line, Doc Ock. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's throw me the whip, throw me the idol. And, uh, throws him the idol and, and he kind of says hey fuck it man sorry um we get these great little comedic harrison moments where he's trying to climb out of a chasm and and the route he's holding on is slipping and his facial expressions tell it all yes um unfortunately doc ock does not make it very far before he gets impaled by the same spikes that indy saved him from in the goddamn first place um and he retrieves the idol he makes it a few steps further before we get the money shot of this whole sequence, which is the giant boulder. I mean, this thing is so iconic, they parodied it in Muppet Babies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and while we're on the subject of the song, this John Williams score gives me anxiety. It does such a perfect yes. job yes, at building does. the tension. And he saves that triumphant march for when Indiana Jones does something, but he doesn't overuse it. It's very well played. You guys are musicians. I'm sure you can appreciate, you know, the the little... It's, it's you know, he did Superman, too. It's kind of the same thing. When you hear Superman, it sounds like someone's saying Superman. Like, it's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. John Williams' resume is, is scary. It's it's insane. In the before times, we went uh, to the Oregon Symphony, my wife and I, and watched a John Williams. They they played just nothing but John Williams songs. Yeah. It, I'm not like a big symphony goer, but like you know, hearing all that live, I was like, "Yep, this is amazing." Oh yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did. All the I, I think that Jurassic Parks might be, it might be his best work. Yeah. I. I agree. It's I not totally the best movie that. out of all the things he's done. It's a great no, movie, but, but that song. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I remember reading, I think John Williams has scored all but two of Steven Spielberg's films in his career. Yeah. It was The Color Purple, because that was uh, Quincy Jones. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Prince. Mm-hmm. No, it's Quincy Jones, and uh, I think, I, shit, I don't know the other one, but I think it was only two. I think he's done everything else. Yeah, it's amazing. So Indy escapes uh, by the skin of his teeth, only to be confronted by his nemesis, 
Belloc or Belloc. 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 Millennia, Falcon, Falcon, you know. Yeah. Um, Belloc is, is sort of supposed to be the inverse of Indiana Jones' movie, uh, played by uh, Paul Freeman. And he's like a French, he's like the Pepe Le Pew of this movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that that definitely is strengthened later when he meets Marion. Um, well, they, they make it a point to say that this guy is intelligent and skilled, and he's almost on an equal playing field as Indy. So, you know... Right. He's Indy without the conscience. And that's what's needed to ascertain this item that they want. So that's why they went to him. He's the best in the business when it comes to archaeology and underhandedness, where Indy might be the best archaeologist, but he has a conscience, and that doesn't work with the Nazis. So um, they went with Belloc. So, Joe, let's meet Belloc. Hit that clip. Dr. Jones, again, we see there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. And you thought I had given up. You chose the wrong friends. This time it will cost you. Too bad the Jovitos don't know you the way I do, Belloc. Yes, too bad. You could warn them if only you spoke Jovitos. Matuso! Nobata! So this guy is a, is a douchebag. And, uh, yeah. Yes, he is. Um, he sicks these these tribesmen on Indy. Indy escapes, makes his way back to the, uh, the the biplane that's waiting for him. So very cool inside baseball. This is a Lucas joint here, and you know, along with Spielberg, uh, the side of the plane has an homage to both C-3PO and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is is pretty neat. You know, it's one of the there's a couple little nods to Star Wars in this movie. But the next one I didn't really see discussed anywhere, and it's this goddamn noise. It bothered me real bad, man. Like, when he's trying to start the engine on this plane, Joe, play this clip for me. Just just indulge me. It's only a second long. Tell me this isn't the Millennium Falcon. Oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. It's, hype, it's yep. hyperdrive failing. Is yes, what it is. exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you want to know something about this scene that gets me more and drives me nuts? is the fact that Jock's accent changes in a matter of seconds from like, Australian <laughs> to American um, rather blatantly, but, you know. Oh, absolutely not. That's just my pet snake Reggie. <laughs> and then the next, whatever the next line is, he's like, ah, oh, don't make a big deal about it, fella. You know, it's like, yeah, anyway. But, yeah, that's that's definitely a weird a weird thing. That's that a good point, scene. and that brings us into our next quick clip, because so far, Indiana Jones has been presented to us as goddamn Superman. Like, this guy's awesome, but yes. he does have one weakness. Joe? There's a big snake in the plane, Jock! Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie! I hate snakes, Jock! I hate them! Come on! Show a little backbone, will ya? He don't like snakes. He don't like snakes. So Indy, Indy escapes, and it's, uh, by and large, one of the greatest opening sequences in any movie. Like, 
I love that Jacques didn't want to give up on his fish, first of all. Let's just right, throw that out right. into the universe. <laughs> you had to really contemplate that. Yeah. But this is just a wonderful opening to this story. And so now we smash cut back to Indy on his home turf. And we find out that the coolest guy in the world is also a teacher. Now, this inspired many, many young people to want to pursue a career in education. And uh, they talk about this movie as an inspiration for getting into archaeology, getting into, uh, like I said, becoming an educator. So not only did it make you want to dress up and, like, fucking whip shit, which is, you know, how it affected me, maybe not in as profound a way, it also inspired future educators, which I think is pretty cool. Again, this is one of those, like, childhood movies where, like, there were things that flew over my head. The girl that wrote I Love You on her eyelids. Yeah. That never connected with me, like, as a no? kid. I was just like, oh, that's weird. Why would you do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, interestingly yeah. enough, this character was, was based a bit on James Bond, um, because Spielberg was in the running for directing a, a Bond movie, which he ultimately didn't get. So they talked right. about, you know, how do we Bond this guy up? And one of the ways they wanted to do that was later on when he's visited at home and he's in his little, like, Hugh Hefner outfit... Yeah. He was supposed to have a girl in the bedroom. And Right. And he was, you know, was like, "Oh, you're interrupting me." They they opted not to do that, which I think was the right move. But yeah, he was going to, you know, he was going to take advantage of this position he was in, for sure. Yeah. I think oh, that would Joe. have been a that would have been a little on the nose, I think. Yeah. You know? Yes, I agree. I they definitely I I agree with Eric and and Blake that it, they went in the right direction with it. Um, Joe, make it just make a note because I've got a um, love you on the eyelid story for just surprise me that I can't say here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that Brooke Shields; it was someone else. Um, but I have, I have a, a story that's suitable for JSM, so just make a note. Yes, RJ did that to me. We were skyping, and he let his true feelings be known. So anyway, just make a note. We'll talk about it on JSM. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> All right, so. Uh... Indiana is visited by his friend and colleague, Marcus, and after he's done with his class, uh, Marcus whisks him away because he's got some company, some real important cats came down to see him, and it's um, it's a lead-up to what is the exposition dump of this movie. Now, you, you know, a lot of times in movies you get these exposition dumps, and they're terrible, but they're necessary for you to understand as the viewer what's going on. Right. This is one of my favorite exposition dumps in any movie because it's it's so well you know like you know it everybody might not agree with this i just feel like it's so well done the scene where you get the information about the nazis and the ark and the whole right macguffin of this movie dr jones now you, you must understand that this is all strictly confidential huh? i understand uh, <clears throat> yesterday afternoon our European sections intercepted a, a German communique that was sent from Cairo to Berlin. Now, you see, Cairo, over the last two now, years, the Nazis have had teams of archaeologists running around the world looking for all kinds of religious artifacts. Hitler's a nut on the subject. He's crazy. He's obsessed with the occult. And right now, apparently, there's some kind of German archaeological dig going on in the desert outside of Cairo. Now, we've got some information here, but we can't make anything out of it, and maybe you can. Tannis development proceeding. Acquire headpiece, staff of Ra, Abner Ravenwood, U.S. 
Nazis have discovered Tannis. Just what does that mean to you, uh, Tannis? Well, well the city of Tannis is one of the possible resting places of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark? Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. What do you what mean, do you mean the Commandments? You're talking about the Ten Commandments? Yes, the actual Ten Commandments, the original stone tablets that Moses brought down out of Mount Harab and smashed, if you believe in that sort of thing. Did you guys ever go to Sunday school? Well, I... Oh, look. The Hebrews took the broken pieces and put them in the Ark. When they settled in Canaan, they put the Ark in a place called the Temple of Solomon. In Jerusalem. Where it stayed for many years. Until all of a sudden, whoosh, is gone. Where? Well, nobody knows where or when. However, an Egyptian pharaoh... Shishan. Yes, invaded the city of Jerusalem around about 980 B.C. And he may have taken the Ark back to the city of Tanis and hidden it in a secret chamber called the Well of Souls. Secret chamber. However, about a year after the pharaoh had returned to Egypt, the city of Tanis was consumed by the desert in a sandstorm which lasted a whole year. Wiped clean by the wrath of God. Uh, obviously, we've come to the right men. Now, you seem to know uh, all about this tent. They sure the fuck do. That, I, for mm -hmm. me, that's what makes this scene work, is that they know way more than the people who, in the government who are asking them about, you know, or, right. or telling them the exposition. It's like, we have this, we don't really know what it means, and they're like, oh yeah, no, that means the Nazis discovered, and hey, guess what? And they're, they're schooling these guys. It's a very cool moment. Which is a very accurate representation of real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just just as like a, you know, as we all appreciate films and, and the things that screenwriters have to do, uh, you know, to get the audiences to play along. This was just handled in a, in a really nice way. I appreciate you giving me a little bit more of that. There's a moment at the end of it where he's kind of showing them in a, in a picture book what does the Ark of the Covenant look like. And that's where you get to see the, you know, the sort of uh, wrath of God, you know, lights. Yeah, it's like an old pencil drawing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did and, that. Yeah. Biblical Disco is the name of my next album. <laughs> is it going to not melt faces? Blake, not if Blake takes it first. <laughs> <laughs> so if you'll indulge me, this is a very short clip, but I just love I love the screenwriting, and this is one of those moments they give to Indy that's just so funny to me. Good God. Yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. <laughs> Like, good, good God, that's just what the Hebrews thought. That's chef's kiss right there, man. Yeah, it is. So good. So, we get all of the information we need to move forward with the story. That takes Indiana Jones, you know, after some celebrating over, you know, what this could mean for them as archaeologists and, you know, this, this discovery. And you have to appreciate the, the dichotomy between Indy and Marcus. Like, they're very similar Mark is obviously a little older. You know, he mentions if this was five years ago, I would have gone and looked for it. But they couldn't be more opposite. Right. Um, you know, Indy is, is dashing and handsome and fearless, and Marcus is, is a nerd. He's an academic. Um, but you can tell they're close, and you can tell they share the same passion for history. Mm -hmm. uh, passion for history is going to be a, a major component to this film. Um so they talk about the implications, you know, what this what this could possibly mean. Uh, Marcus gets a little 
heavy and Indiana Jones you get that skeptic you know what are you trying to scare me man with like bedtime stories and shit like this is what it is um and this being what it is I think now is the time that we're gonna take ourselves a little break do you know anyone with a birthday get them some custom art at artofericpabone.com want to impress your significant other on your anniversary skip the wilted flowers in the dirty CVS teddy bear commission a custom family portrait at artofericbabone.com maybe you're just like me and you like unique pieces of art celebrating your favorite films comics and pop culture head to artofericbabone.com and shop till you drop and don't forget MOTCU listeners get special discounted pricing on all custom art don't pay some cookie cutter bullshit from Hobby Lobby I'm pretty sure child labor was involved in that painting of a cow you just had to have be a hero and support local art at artofericbabone.com. 